Thanks again, Brother Greg and ladies and congregation. Tonight we're in Psalm 66 again, Psalm 66. We weren't able to finish that great psalm last week. We talked about awesome works that promote worship. This would be part two. We looked at the first 12 verses. I'd like to begin in verse 13 tonight and conclude this chapter. So again, we're looking at awesome works that promote worship Psalm 66 and verse 13, if you found your place and you're able, we invite you to stand one more time and we'll honor and reverence the reading of God's holy and Aaron and fallible inspired word together. The psalmist said in verse 13, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows which my lips have uttered and my mouth hath spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks and goats, selah. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to my voice of my prayer. Blessed be God which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. You may be seated and we'll trust the Lord to bless the reading of his holy word. Again, we're looking at awesome works that promote worship. Now this psalm, again, is an anonymous psalm. We're not exactly sure who wrote it. Some say Hezekiah, some say David. I think that matters little. I think both of their lives could fit in this. And if you've lived any length of time, so could this be your psalm. But it is a psalm of thanksgiving. It is a psalm of praise and worship. We're encouraged as the people of God to come before God in gratitude for deliverance. Now let me ask you, who among us has not experienced the delivering power of God whether it be for salvation or in any type of situation. So this is our psalm. This psalmist used what the Lord did historically in the life of Israel as an invitation to the entire world. He invites the world. The world is summoned, if it were, to come and watch the Lord at the Red Sea and at the Jordan River so that we all may join in that great celebration and deliverance that rejoicing for God's deliverance. The salvation of God wrought in Israel back in the day is an invitation for the entire world to learn to put their trust in God in difficult circumstances. So whatever testing, whatever trials that the people of God were enduring, it was like the Red Sea. It was like the Jordan all over again. When they passed through the waters There was victory and liberty on the other side. Now, you know this. I didn't come this way tonight just to remind you this because I know who I'm talking to. You've lived long enough. You and I both know that there are much testing and trials that we must face and go through down here. That's life. Jesus told us up front, John 16, 33, In this world you shall have tribulation. I hate to break it to you, but you're not getting out of here without trouble. 
You're not getting out of here without trials and testing. We've got to go through those things. But the endured trials of the faithful believer will produce a far greater testimony. We will be stronger and more equipped on the other side. And as the choir says, we're going to make it. By the grace of God, we're going to make it. And so our worship and our thanksgiving and our praise will be sweeter and more sincere than ever because God's awesome and mighty power that delivers us brings powerful worship. You remember in the first 12 verses we learned that God's mighty works makes us happy. Isn't there anything any better than to be in a tight spot and see God just come through? <laughs> That'd make a Methodist shout. Boy, that'd make a dried-up Baptist shout and get excited. That'd put a smile on your face. We said last week, those that just walk around unhappy are those who have never seen the mighty works of God, who've never tasted God's great deliverance. It makes us happy. We also learn that it brings humility in our life, and it's much needed. Why? Because we're, we're humbled that who is man that God would hear his prayer and answer in such a matter? Who would bring deliverance to those who deserve nothing but death and hell? Well, it does humble us to think, who are we that God would help us in such a matter? But it also brings to us hope to those who seek to worship God. There is hope in the Lord. There's always hope in the Lord. And so now in the remaining portion of the psalm, the psalmist moves to the first-person narrative. He, he takes center stage, the psalmist does, to make good on his promises and on his pledges that he made to God in a time of the nation's desperate hour, in his desperate hour. And so the psalmist wants to instruct us on the right way to worship God when he does bring deliverance in your life. I think I need some help on that. I'll say it now, in even a storm, God's been mighty good to me. God has delivered me from hell. God has delivered me from many, many circumstances. And by faith, I know that God will deliver me again. And so I need to know how to come before His mighty presence and worship Him right. Worship Him correctly. So... The first thing the psalmist instructs us with his own personal with his own personal testimony here really is a resolve. So you and I must have a resolve like the psalmist did to pay our vows. That's what the psalmist did. He made a resolve to pay his vows. Let me read it for you again, verse 13. I will go into the house, the house, with burnt offerings. And I will pay thee my vows, which my lips uttered, and my mouth is spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the increase of rams, or incense of rams, and I will offer bullocks with goats, selah. I think we're just like the psalmist. You get in trouble? You get in a tight spot? Well, you make all kinds of promises and pleas and pledges to God, don't you? Surely the psalmist is not alone. And God, if you will, I will. God, if you'll help, I will. God, if you'll deliver, I will. Whatever those promises, whatever those pledges are. But we need to resolve to pay those vows. It speaks 
of our repaying of those vows. It speaks of our trustworthiness. And we need to be trustworthy in the sight of God. God knows. Now listen to me when I say this. God knows in whom to do His awesome works. God knows for whom to do His mighty works. God knows those in whom He can trust to be found faithful to serve Him, to worship Him, to obey Him. And the psalmist was such a man. He was a man of his word. I I appreciate my daddy instilling that in my life as a young man. I didn't know how biblical it was. I just thought my my dad was being John Wayne-ish or something, you know. But I didn't know it was really biblical. He would always tell me, son, there's two things I can't stomach. One is a thief and the other is a liar. And I want you to know, as a small kid, he said, I want you to know that a man is worth only his word. If you put your hand to it, I expect it. And he'd always say, I'll not tolerate a liar. And then I'd have that, you know, so what'd you do? (laughs) Do I need to know something? Boy, that hits you. But I've remembered that. A man is worth his word. But I know where my daddy got it. A man or a woman's worth their word. If you make a vow and you make a pledge to God, be worth your salt. Be trustworthy before the living God. Again, the psalmist was, he promised the Lord if he was delivered, that he would be found in God's house and with offerings in his hand. And that's exactly what the psalmist did. He was a man of godly character and commitment to the living God. The only question that needs to be asked is, are you? That's a good question. Are you? Are you a man or woman of integrity? I know, I know you've pleaded to God. You've made promises to God. You've pledged your faithfulness to God. If God would deliver you, why? Because you've been in tight spots. (laughs) You've been in pickles. You've needed the Lord's deliverance. And isn't God good? When has God ever left you hanging? Oh, I know it's not on your time or my time. It's on God's calendar. But God is always faithful and he's an on-time God. So are you faithful to those vows and and pledges that you've made to him? And so God is, I mean, just a question. Is God still waiting for you to fulfill those promises to him? Have you vowed and pledged your faithfulness to him in your day of trouble? Is he still waiting? Well, he's been mighty, mighty faithful to you. Have you been faithful to him? You say, preacher, is that really that important? Well, making vows and pledges and promises to God is a very serious thing. I think some of y'all need some scripture because I did. It helped me. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 and verse number 4 says, When thou vowest a vow, so that means we all do it. Not if, it means when. So when you vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Well, that's clear as mud, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's easy. I got more. Numbers, chapter number 30 and verse 2 says, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do all according that he had promised that proceeded out of his mouth. And then you know James 5, 12. It says, Let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay. What's the rest of that? Lest ye fall into condemnation. I think God's pretty serious about our promises, our pledges, our vows to God. So when you're in a tight spot and say, God, if you will, I will. Don't leave God hanging. Don't leave God waiting. Get to the house of God. Bring with you offerings. 
Serve. Work like you promised. I'm still in the book. Don't leave God hanging. He's too good to you. And by the way, if you live long enough, you're going to need him again. You think he wants to look from heaven and said, I've already done a great and a mighty work of deliverance in their life. And I've yet to see them. I've yet to hear from them. I've yet to have one of their promises fulfilled. So, God's been good to me. He deserves my worship. He deserves my praise and adoration. How do I do it? By, by a great resolve in my life that I'm going to come to the house of God and I'm not coming in empty handed I'm going to worship him the way he's prescribed worship that goes to my next point it speaks of thankfulness you know I don't want to be trust I don't only want to be trustworthy before God but I want to be a man or a woman of integrity that is thankful I mean those who fulfill their vows those who honor their pledges and promises to God spoken in times of trouble are those who are extremely grateful for the Lord's deliverance. I mean, why would you not go to the house of God and offer worship unto the Lord with offerings and sacrifice when He's done so much for you? You know, I don't understand it. I'm not being mean. Can I just be honest tonight? Oh, you know who I am. You've put up with me for over 14 years, so you know I'm going to do that. But it bothers me that folks are in a tight spot. I've seen the deliverance of God. You've seen the deliverance of God in their life. Hey, listen, when God does the work, it's evident. Oh, and boy, I tell you what, you, you've not even seen a word of expression of gratitude from their lives. That, that troubles me. At the hospital, and you hear the pledges, the promises. In the home, you hear the pledges and promises and say, Preacher, pray for us. We diligently walk through and pray. Where are they? Why are they not here? Why are they not serving? I mean, can I be honest tonight? I mean, folks, God's used this church to minister to a whole lot of people. And we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are to minister to hurting people. And when we see God use us, and we see God bring help and hope and deliverance, and not one ounce of gratitude, there's something wrong. But those who pay their vows, those who honor their pledges and promises to God, are those who are grateful for the mighty works of God and His powerful deliverance in their life. Would you not agree? I do not want to be. I do not want to be like the nine lepers. I want to be the one. I mean, did Jesus say, were there not ten cleansed? Jesus asked when he healed the leper, but only one returned in order to give thanks. But not the psalmist. The psalmist wasn't like that. The psalmist was sure grateful for the Lord's deliverance and had a strong resolve to pay his vows. It speaks not only of trustworthiness, and thankfulness, and I want to be a person that's thankful unto the living God for his goodness, but it speaks of sacrifice. As I've already said before twice, he did not come to the house of God empty-handed. Why should we? We don't come just to set and soak. <laughs> One preacher said we come to set, soak, and sour. There may be truth to that. 
We don't come just to set and soak. We come to set and serve. He come to the house of God, not with empty hands, but he came with offerings and sacrifices. It was an expression, really, of his devotion to God because he was grateful for God's deliverance. The Bible said he came and he offered God that which cost him something. Do you remember David? David's hard time and, you know, he said a concerning sacrifice. He didn't want to give something to the Lord that didn't cost him something. Our sacrifices, our offerings should cost us something. Why? Because what God gave for us cost him. Cost him his darling son. And so as an expression of his devotion to God, he, cost, he gave something that cost him something. It was offerings. How do you know it cost him? Because it was offerings, he said, that were fatlings, not calls. This was his best that he had. He offered the best. He offered incense of rams, which denotes a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. And then really what got me is that he said he offered bullocks and goats. And these are sacrifices that were prescribed by entire nations and leaders. So if it were David or Hezekiah, he offered what a leader would offer. Why? Leaders are never to ask of people what they're not willing to do themselves. I should never ask you to do what Tracy and I and our family are not willing to do ourselves. I would never ask you to give to this building if I wasn't faithfully giving to this building. I would never ask you to tithe if I wasn't willing to tithe and give offerings. I would never ask you to show up to outreach and visitation if I wasn't willing to go to outreach and visitation. I'd never ask you to come to a work day if I wasn't willing to come to a work day. Y'all with me? And here was a leader, whoever the psalmist was, that said, I need to worship God right. And I don't do that just by exhortation. I do it by example. And so he set the way. He set the trend. He would lead others in worship as well. And how do we lead others in worship? By our own example. Notice that's his resolve. And I want that to be my resolve because God's worthy. Why? Because God's been so good to me with his mighty and wonderful works. But also look at his request in verse number 6. There's a pause there, Selah, musical term. It means stop, reflect. What do you think of that? Verse 16 says, come and hear. All ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. <laughs> the request of the psalmist is for everybody else, come and hear. Come and hear what? The psalmist's testimony. Why do you think you go through what you go through? God is building your spiritual resume. God is building a testimony for you to be a salt and light in this lost and dying world. And so he's reminding them, we do not go through hard times, difficult seasons, tight spots, and trouble for nothing. We go through them for reason. We have to believe as believers that we go through them for divine purpose. You know as well as I do, and you rest in the providence of God as well as I do. You understand He's a sovereign God, and nothing comes into your life that doesn't pass through His hands first. So it's either by His directive will or His permissive will. I don't mean I like it, but I've got to stand on Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, And this we know, that all things work together for good to them that love God and them who are called according to His purposes. Good things, bad things, indifferent things, tragic things. Give it to God. And somehow or another, it's beyond me. Isaiah said his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than mine. I just trust him. And I know that God doesn't lie. 
I know that God is faithful. God's been better to me than I deserve. All I know is give it to God and give it some time and he'll make a way. That's all I know. That's what I'm resting in. That's what I'm trusting in. Why? Because i got a past record. God lets me live long enough, I'm going to have a better record. I've got enough to talk about and share about and sing about and declare about until Jesus comes back. And if I live longer, I'm going to have more to brag on him about. That's what it means that we go through a valley. Psalm 84, as you pass through the valley of Baca, that word means a valley of despair. When you go through a valley of despair, dig a well. Find some help and hope in the Lord. Get some refreshment. Why? Because you're not alone. Somebody's coming right behind you. and They need to come and they need to see what God has done in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not alone. We are not alone. We face difficult times together. We face them, but we come through them stronger on the other side because our trust is in the Lord and he fails not. He fails not. And so every critical situation of life, God wants to use that to help us, to grow us, to mature us, to deepen our faith and dependence upon the living God. That's what he did in the psalmist's life, and the psalmists want everybody else to know. Why? So all those that fear the Lord, come and hear, and I will declare what God has done for my soul. And I cannot express the power and the influence of a personal testimony of the Lord's goodness. Surely, surely you're faithful to share what God has done for your soul, haven't you? Well, if you're not, you better. Why? There's people all around you who are going through things. And they need to hear what God has done for you. Because of the power and the influence. Listen, this world has nothing to offer. But death and trouble, they need hope. Hope is in Jesus. Tell them what he's done for you. Tell him how he brought you out of the miry clay. Tell him how he brought you out of the pit and set your feet upon a rock and established your goings and put a new song in your mouth. There's somebody in the workplace tomorrow that's dying inside and needs to hear what God has done in your life. Surely you're faithful to tell them what God has done for you. If not, I'd, I'd beg you tonight, be the first at this altar. Ask God for help and boldness and strength and get busy because somebody needs to come and hear what God has done in your life. Your testimony is your testimony. And God will use that to draw people unto himself and to glorify his name. Besides, he said, if I lift it up, exalt it, I'll draw all men unto me. Lift him up in your testimony. And then finally, we'll go home as we look at the reward. Verse 17 said, I, I cried unto him, that's God, with my mouth. Psalmist said, I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. And if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But truly or verily, God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. Boy, that's reward. That's why I serve him. 
Ladies and gentlemen, those last verses is why I love him. The reward is seen in the psalmist's practice in times of trouble. He petitioned the Lord. He, he was not ashamed. He was not ashamed. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my mouth. You, you know, we need to get past this ideal that we're going through a tough time. We can't cry. We can't seek the Lord. We, we, you just can't cry unto the Lord. I don't understand people like that. I'm not being mean, but I just don't have much in common for them. My, my mom and daddy taught me early, and I'm thankful, Mom. I really am thankful. You go through things. You cry unto the Lord. You know, I don't, I don't remember a, a whole lot. I mean, God give us a good life. I praise the Lord for that. But I, I do remember, I do remember a time that Dad's plant went on strike. I, I, and it was hard. It was hard. Without work, my dad, thank God he could do anything. I wished I'd have been a little more like him. If it wasn't for preaching, I'd starve. But people of the church and the community was so good. They'd come and bring motorcycles and lawnmowers and cars and whatever. My dad could fix it. I mean, he he'd just fix anything. And, you know, people probably paid him far more than needed to, but that was just God's people being God's people during that time. But I, I remember my mama and my daddy. Now, I'm going to tell how old I am. We'd go down to church. You know, church was never locked. Isn't it a sad day? Why, because I grew up in a time, if you got something going on, and people had something going on all the time because life, we'd just go in there in the church. They'd take us. They taught me early. Just cry. Cry unto the Lord. Boy, we had a good life. God's been mighty good to us. I've seen things that come in our family's life, and my dad would gather us. We'd cry unto the Lord. And I'm standing here as living proof that God's never failed our family. I said at the graveside of my father, if I could be a third of the man he is, I feel like I could go home accomplished. Because my daddy, and my daddy was a servant of God. He loved his church. And my pastor had confidence in him, in his prayer life. And I remember my dad would have things that was said that was going on at church or a burden or some mission work. Or you, I don't know what it was. My dad didn't talk much about things like that. But I've seen him. My mom will tell you. I've seen him lay out on the floor. Pray all night, crying unto the Lord. Get up and take a shower and go to work and come home full of praise. My daddy always told me I've seen God take a mess in the a.m. and make it a blessing in the p.m. Because I have cried unto the Lord. So that's the way I was raised. That's what I believe. That's why I can stand up here and be happy because I know the Lord and His mighty works of deliverance. So can I help us tonight? I want to help me. I want to help you. I don't care what the world thinks about us crying out to God. I don't care if they think we're a bunch of fruitcakes and fanatics. I think this altar ought to be tear-stained. I think every year it should be so wore out we need new carpet on the steps because we've cried unto the Lord over our world 
over our situation, over the lostness of souls. Cry unto the Lord. That's what David did or Hezekiah, whoever the psalm was. He petitioned the Lord. All I can say is, well, where else could you go in times of trouble? I mean, he's the only source of help in times of trouble. I'm just glad tonight I can stand and tell you he's available. I'm glad Paul said in Ephesians, and when you call upon him, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the power of God that resides within us. I've proved him faithful. And so I, I stand with the psalmist and I, I cry with my mouth unto the Lord in my times of trouble. I don't care who hears me pray. It doesn't bother me if the world hears me cry out to God. He's my only hope. He's my help. He, he petitioned the Lord in his time of trouble, so don't stop praying. He also praised the Lord in the time of trouble. See, the first one's easy. The second one's a little more difficult. At the same time of his crying unto the Lord, I just want you to know he wasn't criticizing the Lord for the shape he's in. Mm -hmm. I just spanked about 50 Baptists. I will petition the Lord, but it's usually, why me, Lord? Why me? I don't deserve this. I've served you. I've been better to you than this. Why me, Lord? Why would you allow this to come into my life and just complain and criticize? And it's more of a whining list than a petition. Not the psalmist. He didn't say any of those things. He simply asked the Lord to help him. Help me. And in the process of crying out to the Lord for help, in the same process, he began to extol the Lord with his tongue. He knew God would use that difficult time in his life to strengthen him, to grow him, to teach him more of the goodness of God. It would build a better testimony. And it is true in all of our trials. If we give them to God, God will. Whatever that is, I don't know, but God will. And I know we'll be stronger and better and more equipped on the other side, I still believe Romans 8, 28. I also believe what a faithful friend told me you know, I was in the greatest storm of my life. Came to me and said that not all bad things are all bad if they draw you closer to him. And I hate to admit this in one sense, but I rejoice in the other. Most of the difficult seasons in my life have been the greatest teachable moments. And they have taught me more of the Lord and His goodness than any time I've ever had shouting on the mountaintop. I'm not alone, am I? I see all of this. You too. Yeah. God's the only one I know to take trials and make blessings out of them. Let's close with the thought of the provisions of times of trouble. You've seen the psalmist practice. Now let's look at the Lord's provisions. He says, let me back up. I need to deal with verse 18. It's the most important. He was also pure before the Lord. The psalmist had learned that sin, you know this, sin creates the silence of God in your life. Sin keeps our prayers from being heard of God. Unconfessed sin leads to unanswered prayers. So we got to keep our hands clean and our hearts pure. That's what opens the ears of the Lord to our prayers. Verse 18, if we regard iniquity in our heart, he's just not going to hear us. So many of our prayers fall on deaf ears because our hands are not clean and our hearts not pure. Don't you come up dirty to God unless you're cleansing your heart through confession of sin. Then you petition God. Now let's look at the provisions in times of trouble. The Bible says he was heard and helped of the Lord. Verse 18, or 19 says, But verily or truly God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. 
Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. So the provision from God in times of trouble was that the psalmist was heard and helped to the Lord. See, once the roadblocks, and I needed to learn this, the psalmist needed to learn it, and so do you. Once the roadblocks of sin are removed out of our lives, our petitions are on a clear path to the very throne room of God. So truly God does hear and answer our prayers. And those he hears, he is so faithful to help. It's a blessing, the psalmist said, that God would not turn away our prayers and add mercy to boot. He's not only faithful to help us, but he's faithful to hold back that which we do deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing good about me. I deserve to be consumed by the judgment of God. But God doesn't hold back mercy. And I'm thankful for that. Because mercy holds back what I deserve. And gives me what I do not deserve. And that's God to attend my prayers, to hear my prayers, to answer my prayers. And so, could you not, I'm just asking you the question. Could you not, I, I would say it this way, should we not all praise Him, worship Him for hearing us, for helping us. Worship Him for answered prayers. I would say worship Him for His mercy. I would say worship Him for not turning away His mercy and not turning away your prayers. I believe your words should be like the psalmist, blessed, blessed be God. Blessed be God. Well, God's been good to you. I'd ask you this question. Has God not delivered you out of many, many tight spots? Don't please hear me tonight as the people I love. Don't have an ungrateful heart. Don't be calloused. Be faithful to his house. Bring with you offerings. Sacrifice unto the living God. Keep your vows that you made in times of trouble. Tell others how good God is, how he has brought you through storm after storm, trial after trial. It makes your testimony better. And for those here tonight that are walking through a difficult season, a dark time like our family, I'd encourage you to come and cry out to the Lord. Confess your sins. Seek his help. You will be heard. You will be helped. He will not turn away your prayer, nor will he withhold his mercy. As the Lord bids, you come. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this Hebrew hymn that has helped me. I pray that it's helped others. God, let it lead us to a good place. Your word is, is excellent. Sweeter than honey. I pray, Lord, as we try to follow the instruction of the Psalms, that our life would be profited as a believer with greater obedience, greater trust in you. You are our helper. You are our strength. We trust you for deliverance and help us to be grateful to offer you praise and worship that's due your name. And God, help us to learn better how to praise you in the storm. And we ask it in Jesus' great name. Amen.